And can I just thank our team? Can I thank our wonderful hosts here at FGA and Pastor Chris? And um, I'm very excited to be here. We've had a wonderful weekend uh, with all of you. And um, we started here on Friday night. And last night, can I tell you, it was such a powerful move of God. Um, we were, I was already crying in the worship. We, Roger took the mic. We were just bowing before God. And, you know, there were, I think, a hundred of us. And today we have, what, 460 last Sunday. And, you know, sometimes as a pastor, speaking to you as a senior pastor, we, we had Tim Hall last week in our church, and we maybe got 150, maybe 160, 180 on the Friday night, but I wanted the whole church to be there, because sometimes, you know, we miss what God is doing. God is bringing breakthrough. God is reviving. God is, the Spirit of God is moving. And I, you know, I shared last night that I had a vision last year, we were in, in, our, in our evening service, and I saw the glory of God begin to fall like waves, beautiful ribbon waves. Wasn't the, the line dancing wonderful as well, right? It was like waves like that, and Chris told me there's going to be line dancing. I thought they're going to be lion dancing. I was expecting lions, and then <laughs> line dancing, but the fan dancing, okay, it's fantastic. Well done to, to them. But it was... <laughs> I saw the waves of God coming, and it was beautiful colors. But the, and I don't usually see in the spirit, but I saw that. But the, the, the thing that got me was the Lord showed me there were people that were sitting in the congregation, and some were just totally like black rocks. And the glory of God would just hit them, but it would go around them. It would have no effect on them. And then there were others that were like absorbing the glory of God. And I could see light filling them. The glory of God began to fill them. And I realized that you can be in a meeting with the presence and the power and the glory of God. And it can have no effect on you. Yet someone right next to you or across the aisle can be receiving incredible anointing and incredible touch of God's glory. Now, I know the type of person I want to be. I hope that my heart, my attitude, my posture, the, the, the focus of my heart wants more of the glory of God. And uh, I want to encourage the church that I believe this is a new season. We've done stuff with uh, FGA this weekend that we haven't done in our church. I say, Chris, I haven't even spoken to my leaders properly. We haven't even done this kind of training for our creative arts team. And I was like, Chris got us down here, so you're very lucky to have us. In that sense, I was like, ah, we haven't done it at our church. And we are very excited because we're seeing the power of God, revival atmosphere in our church. And it's so precious. And I want every church, we need to catch this fire. Amen. The fire of God is here for all of us. And I want to tell you, in a few weeks' time, I think maybe a month's time or so, you have a great man of God. So I'm going to, you have uh, a guy called Christopher Alam, who's coming, uh, I think at Easter time in FGA. He is a descendant, a direct descendant of the prophet Muhammad. Does that trouble you? I'll just pause there. <laughs> He's radically saved by Jesus Christ. Radically saved on the street. 
kicked out of his family, abandoned, and he grew up in Pakistan. His father was an army general. And how God saved him, the missionary that led him to Christ or discipled him, I think a few months later was martyred. He gave his life for this man. And Chris, I just heard a call. We were talking in the car with Pastor Tim Hall and Chris Salam. Chris has been in northern India. He just did the largest crusade ever in a, in a, in a city where there's only less than 1% of Christians. There were 300 over 1,000 people that showed up for the crusade. 300,000. They had Sikhs. They had Hindus. They had Muslims. One Islamic fundamentalist brought his paralyzed mother to the meeting, and she was healed by Jesus Christ, instantly healed. They're seeing deaf ears open. 35 deaf people last year with Tim Hall and um, Pastor Chris Alam in um, uh, Zambia. It's amazing. The power of God is moving. Do you want to be part of it? Do you want to be part of it? And speaking of great man of God, is my absolute privilege, you know, to have, uh, I call him Apostle, Prophet, Jeremiah, Pastor Susan from Malaysia. He has been, can I say both Pastor Roland to Evelyn and um, Prophet Jeremiah, Chris and even Roger, all your leaders are fantastic. But these guys have spoken into my life and it's with tears. Last night I just came crying and sobbing because, you know, at certain times you've come into my life, into our church life, and Pastor Jeremiah has spoken words that have encouraged me so much. Um, He's taken the mantle even, I believe, over from Prophet John Jacks, great man of God, who's again spoken to my life. So he is a prophetic father in my life. And Uncle Roland is a spiritual uncle in my life. I shared last night with tears that when we lost our first child, I got a phone call from Pastor Roland. And it just ministered. The words just ministered to me. And it brought such peace and gave us great hope. Now I have two wonderful children, Zara and Ethan, uh, seven and six years old. And I just thank you so much. And uh, Auntie Evelyn, she's looking younger than when I first met her 22 years ago, right? It could be the lighting, I said that. But no, she looks absolutely young. And my dear friends, Chris and Mayen, 10 years ago, we were in Chicago together. And Chris, uh, you know, we, we've, he's a funny guy. He picked us up with his Disney, uh, 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 what do you call it, badge, okay, tour guide. And I tell people about his Disney ministry as well. It is a major idol in his life, that mouse, that needs to be broken in his life. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He's asking me to leave the AOG, ACC, no, just kidding, and the money that we save, we can go to Disney and worship that mouse idol. I pray idols to be broken. Hallelujah. God is good, amen? And... um, I I believe the Spirit of God is here, and I want to release a prophetic word over Pastor Chris. And we've had a great prophetic flow over the weekend as well. And uh, I really believe God wants to speak, and I'm totally humbled to have even Pastor Jeremiah here. I'm not worthy to even tie up his shoelaces, okay? Uh, And Uncle Roland as well. These are powerful prophets you have in the house of God. Um, And I'm absolutely thrilled out of my socks. This is 
Anyway, glory to Jesus, okay? It is Jesus, and I thank, thank God for that. But Chris, um, when, when I was praying on Friday, the Lord showed me a picture of you fishing. And you were holding, it was a spear. It was a spear fishing. And there were fish, right, in the water. And the thing is, with, with, with spear fishing, you don't throw the spear where you see the fish are, because I think it's called refraction, is that it, with the water? So the fish is not actually where it is. It's actually in a different position. And I saw you thrusting the spear in to spear the fish, right? But it's not where you see, uh, where it is with your natural eyes. You've got to know, you've got to adjust. And I believe the Lord is causing you to see in the Spirit. There's this whole thing. Why fish? Because it's evangelism. God is going to give you strategies for evangelism. I know you mentioned the book on evangelism, but aside from that, I know the Lord, and you've got to trust your pastor. God is going to download things. He's going to see things. You're going to go, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? Chris is seeing at a different level, and he may thrust the spear and say, throw it there, not there, right? Not there, but there, because the fish is there. And God is going to anoint you to see in the Spirit, and you're going to see many souls come to this church. I prophesied last time I was here, I think the previous year, that you're going to go into multiple services. This is full. You are capping growth right now. You are capping growth right now at this size because there's no more seats. If I come to this church, I can't find a seat. I will go. You need to make room, right? So I I really, I saw it. And it's going to happen. It's almost like, a, I said, like a Yamcha house, okay, with different, different seatings. So many people, right? But the power of God is, is coming, amen? So I really believe there's going to be a season of evangelism. But if we're going to be evangelists, right, I believe it's for all of us, you've got to have the fire of God inside of you, right? You can go and live your ordinary life doing your ordinary things, But if you don't have that fire of God, if you are not children of the throne room, if you're not coming before the very presence of God and experiencing the fire of God, you know what? You can give you all the teaching on evangelism, John chapter 4, woman at the well, we can train you in gifts of the Spirit. On Monday to Saturday, you won't be doing it. How do I know that? Because I know that. I don't do it all the time. On Monday when I drop... Pastor Tim Holoff, I went to the pharmacy uh, at DFO, at the airport, and I just started talking. It takes boldness. It takes a little bit of boldness. I started talking to the pharmacist. Where are you from? Oh, from Malaysia. You're from Malaysia, aren't you? Yeah, I'm from Moa. Anyone from Moa here? Okay, he's from Moa. I started talking. I said, I'm from Malacca originally. And we started talking. Then he got busy. We talked about food. Then his wife took over. And I said, his wife, I said, do you have children? He goes, yes, got one child. I said, oh, we have a great children's ministry. And this church has a great children's ministry as well. I said, do you go to church? Our church, we have 150 kids in our children's ministry. You should bring your kids. Do you go to church? Right? And she goes, oh, my husband is a Christian. But I'm, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I said, you need to know. And I, 
And I began to share. I said, your family, you're from Buddhist family? I said, it's okay. My father started the church. He was a Buddhist. But someone invited him to church. And when he came to church, there was a deaf and mute young girl standing next to him. The pastor came, laid his hands on the girl, and she was immediately healed. And the first word she ever spoke was, I love Jesus. Those were the words my father wanted to speak, but when he fell under the power of God, he burst out in speaking in tongues. That was the power of God. And she was like, oh, this is the longest chat I've ever had with a pharmacist, by the way. And that, and I invited her to church, and I hope she's coming this Saturday night because she'll come to our Chinese New Year cultural night, Amen. But these are the opportunities we have to sow seeds. You're not going to lead everyone to Christ every time. But you may be sowing seeds. There will be times when you get to reap. But you need the fire of God. Why? This morning, Chris, as you can see, the whole stage is set up like a beautiful wedding. Because Christ is coming back for His church. You are starting on the book of Revelation. And I pray that you won't be just a Bible-centric church, but you will be a Jesus-centric church because Jesus is the living Word of God. He has eyes of fire. He has feet of burnished bronze in Revelation chapter 1. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. Jesus is supreme, King over all. Amen? Oh, and He's coming back for a glorious church. So... This morning, as we put up our slides, when Christ returns, I want you to see that Jesus is coming back for His bride. Let's read the scripture, a few scriptures, and then I'm going to cover the entire book of Revelation in 30 minutes. I said, God, where can we get to in this book? And because we're in Melbourne, you know, I think of the Melbourne Cup the horse race, right? The greatest horse race in Australia. And I said, I've got to get to the four horses. I've got to get to the four horses. That's a joke. Okay, so you can, you can laugh. All the horses are very interesting. But this morning, let's read a scripture. And it says, the arising bridal generation. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might present her to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Can everyone read this last one with me? Revelation twenty-two seventeen. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Do you know that you are the bride of Christ? Jesus didn't just die on the cross, right, so that we could just be saved and lived a normal, carnal Christian life. I believe there are many carnal Christians. We are happy to receive salvation. We pray for our family members. Nothing wrong with that. My entire family, my dad's family, they were Buddhists, but they be became Christians. My father fasted and prayed. He stood at the family altars, right, and bound them as he was fasting day and night. And my my older, uh, my uncle, his elder brother said, don't you dare share the gospel with, your, with mom. She's been a Buddhist for all her life, over 70 years. Don't share. But he began to fast and pray. After days of fasting and praying, in the final week, the f last few days, my dad had to return back to Australia. 
My grandmother walked in and she said, I want to receive Jesus. Nobody shared the gospel. He just broke the powers of darkness. And I'm not, and we need to pray for our families. But if that's it, if you just want to come to church, come to church on Sunday, do your little bit of service, and then raise wonderful kids, pay your tithes, and then grow old, retire, and then die and go to heaven. What kind of existence is that? I was speaking to Pastor Tim on Monday or on Tuesday. He said, Jonathan, I'm ready to die for the gospel. I'm ready to die. I'll go anywhere. I'll go anywhere. There's something, there's a hunger, there's a fire that's coming upon the church and upon this bridal generation where the Spirit is so infused in us that we both say, come Lord Jesus, and we want to see thy kingdom come on this earth. And God is able to use you. God was able to use Hannah, a barren woman who had a son, Samuel, and Samuel anointed Saul, who then anointed David, and it changed the entire nation. One single woman. And I shared last night, one single FGA woman. The connection with ICC. Auntie Susan, she reached out to my parents back in the early 80s, or was it 70s? And she was a mad Pentecostal praying for my parents because of this one FGA woman, crazy Pentecostal. My parents received Christ. A church was born. And through amazing divine connections, here we are back at FGA Melbourne. One woman, single woman, one barren woman can change thousands of lives, hundreds of thousands, millions. Do you have faith, church? The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let's read this passage in John 14. When we come to the book of Revelation, many of us are troubled, right? Because we're worried. I, I, when I've looked at this book, I thought, oh my goodness. I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. I did my master's with Chris. We studied the Bible. I've stayed away from Revelation. I thought, I don't understand this book. But by the end of today, I pray you're going to get a fresh, exciting, new understanding of this book. So Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place to you, for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the, where, the way to where I am going. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus goes on to say in Revelation, Behold, I am coming soon. Can you say that? Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. Jesus said, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Do you think Jesus is coming soon? There are hundreds of prophecies about his return. God's word will not fail. He will return. Amen. So if Jesus is coming back, are we ready for him? When? We do not know the day or the hour, right? Nor the angels in heaven, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert, the Bible says. 
It says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, pray. Can I, can you, can I encourage you? Be the house of prayer for all nations. Come for prayer. Keep the fire going. Now, if we're going to understand the book of Revelation, the problem is we have approached it from a Western mindset. When we see this red horse or whatever, we think it's China because it's red, right? Chinese are red. Chinese New Year. And we think it's China. Or we see what are the, you know, the horns? What are the toes on the Antichrist? Are these, you know, locusts coming forth? They must be helicopters and things like that. Right? We approach it from a very Western, even Greek understanding. But this book is a Hebrew book. You're gonna, you need a Hebrew mindset to understand this book. So moving very quickly to understand, in fact, the Torah, the entire book of the law, from Genesis to Revelation. To understand this book, you need to understand covenant. And covenant is best seen in marriage. Isn't it interesting? Marriage is the thing that the spirit of the Antichrist is attacking in this age. Confusing the image between husband and wife. Because it mars the very image of God who made us man, male, and female in His image. They want to mar the genders. Covenant, marriage, speaks of that union, the two becoming one flesh. And then we're going to look at betrothal, and we need to understand it's a Hebrew book. So the first thing we need to understand is covenant and betrothal. Now, there are three types of, or four types of covenant, and I don't have time to get into it. But as you look at this, the first one, there's always a shedding of blood, right? When he cut the covenant with Abraham, right? You see, when you go to weddings, you see the red carpet, the two halves, the bride's half, the groom's half. That is the animal that is split down the middle, right? And the two halves are laid there. God walked in between. You cut a covenant. And it's more than just a contract. This is, well, what is mine is yours. The two becoming one. If someone attacks you, I will fight for you, all right? The two are one. And there's a shedding of blood. Even in marriage, there is a shedding of blood. We see that in cultures with the Red Indians forming blood brothers. Yakuza, Japan, cutting off their fingers. The shedding of blood. We understand that covenant requires, why blood? It requires sacrifice. One laying down their life for the other. Sacrifice is so important. That's why Jesus went to the cross and he shed his blood. He was the initiator of the new covenant. And the covenant's bill from the old, it's added. But Jesus said, this is a new covenant. The blood of a new covenant. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice to buy your life, to rescue you. So that you would have a hope and a future. Amen. Come on. Come on, my ICC guys, where are they? Oh, sitting at the back. Okay. Praise the Lord. Next one. Salt, hospitality. This church is great at hospitality. Abraham sat down with the angels. You know, when they sat down with the guests, they would pour salt. One guy, the host would pour salt. The guests would pour salt. They would mix the salt. You've seen some, right, weddings, the sand pouring together. Have you seen that? That symbolizes fellowship. That symbolizes hospitality. And Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you 
friends. We are now friends of God. And God reveals His plans to His friends. When, when God wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, He consulted Abraham. You have that privilege to come into fellowship with God, to hear His plans. God is giving you an invitation to get to know His plans. Amen. Come in prayer. Then the third is actually the sandals, and this is inheritance. What they used to do, if you read the story of Ruth, and I told Chris this morning, I said, he's, he's, he's exegeted the whole book of Ruth, and he missed this, right? And I missed it too. And I realized that whenever there was inheritance, whenever, you know the story of Ruth, right? Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, redeemed her, took her into his family, gave her an inheritance. And to do that, when there was a transfer of land ownership, they would change shoes. I would give him my sandal. So if Chris was selling me his house, he would give me his shoe. And I'll be walking around. Can I have your shoe, Chris? Right now, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Right? My shoe is much better, shinier. Okay? You'd see me walking around. I have the title deed now to Chris Ong's nice house. Thank you so much. That showed inheritance. God has an inheritance for you. But many of us are not possessing the inheritance. Come on, there's inheritance of healing, redemption, anointing. Ministry is there for you. Amen? But the greatest one, I have to say, is intimacy in marriage. The hopa. This is a Hopa, I call it the chopa, whatever you call it. it. Looks like chopper chops, right? But hopa, they when the Jews get married, they stand under the talit, the pressure, and it speaks of the covering of God. God was there on Mount Sinai, covering over His people, making a covenant, a treaty with His people at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments are not just commandments; they are a treaty. They're part of a marriage contract. And I want to speak to you about this because you've got to understand this. When a man wants to marry uh, a woman, okay, you've heard the story of Mary and Joseph. What Joseph would have done is, the first thing that he does is betrothal. We need to understand this Hebrew concept. Because um, what will happen is, if, 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 if Joseph was there with his father, he would have gone to Mary's house to the, the, the house of Mary and her parents. He would have gone with the groom and his father would enter the bride's house and they would start talking. They would begin to covenant, right, to become one big family. And then they would drink. The first cup is the cup of sanctification. In other words, saying, hey, we want to get married. I want to marry your daughter. And they drink the first cup. She's going to be set apart for me. The bride, my fiance, is now going to be, right, we're setting ourselves apart. The second stage is that the cup of betrothal, the second cup, there are four cups, right, the different cups. And we know that on the night Jesus was betrayed at the Lord's Supper, He drank of these cups. These cups were patterned from the Passover meal. So what happens now, before they drink the second cup, the negotiation starts. They start bargaining, right, like a dowry. Right? I want a pig. I want a cow. I want 10 sheep. All right? You've got to give me this diamond. You've got to give me that. And okay, yep, we're going to live there. Have you got a house for my daughter? Blah, blah, blah. All that sort of stuff. And they start negotiating. And the groom and the bride's fathers, the two fathers actually go off into another room. So the whole family is there. But now the fathers 
of the bride and the groom go into a private back room and they start talking. And as they begin to negotiate, the bride at this point can reject at any time and say, no, thank you. Okay? And she can, she can pull out. But when it comes to the third cup of redemption, this is interesting. Because now when they've agreed to the terms, what they do is they call for the scribes. And the terms, they call for two witnesses, all right, to to actually scribe it down, write it down on a piece of paper on the marriage covenant, which is called a ketubah. Everybody say ketubah. They write it down. They actually write it down. And what happens is the cup of redemption, the third cup, is only drunk by the groom. Now, what was the cup that Jesus took up on the night that he was betrayed? He said he drank from the third cup. This is the cup of a new covenant. And he drank this and he said, right, I will not drink of this cup until I return. I want you to see the language of marriage is coming in, right? And once he drinks this cup and the ketubah is signed, Right? There are actually seven witnesses. The father of the groom, the father of the bride, the groom, the bride, the scribes, and the witnesses. There are seven witnesses. Everyone say seven. To this ketubah. They sign it. Okay? And then he drinks the cup. At this point, the groom cannot pull out. It is done. It is sealed. It is finished. Someone said that. It is finished. The groom then takes gifts prepared by his father. And once they've signed it, he's drunk the cup. He gives gifts to the family, to the bride. What did Jesus do when he ascended? He gave gifts to the body of Christ. Can you see this? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. He gave prophets and apostles. You've got them sitting here in this church. He gave the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father to the entire church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are poured out upon the church. Those are the, what, ketubah, betrothal gifts given to the church. Isn't that exciting? I'm getting excited. Oh, come on. I'll preach to myself. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And then, after the betrothal, the father, son, and the father go home. The bridegroom goes back to his father's house to prepare a room for his bride. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? I go back to my father's house to prepare a room. This is bridal. This is marriage talk. Can you see this, church? The church, we, the bride, are waiting for the return of our groom, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. When the room is ready, the the groom waits for instruction from his father. He has to go to his father. The father then says, okay, you may now go and fetch the bride. Now, it's interesting when they go. He leaves. When the green light is given, the groom will go with his what? Groomsmen who are virgins, they have a big party like a band. They have the shofars, the trumpets, and they leave, you know what time? At sundown. At sundown. They leave at sundown. Why is that significant? 
Come with me to Matthew 25. The wise and foolish virgins. Remember? The five wise and the five, they had oil in their lamps. This is the bride, the virgins waiting. The bride, when they hear the groom coming, making noise, all right, and the celebration coming down the road, and the, and, and the her bridal party is there saying, the groom's coming, the groom's coming. They have to have the lights on. Her lamp has to be at the window because the lamp signifies that she's ready and the marriage is still on. If the light is out and the groom's party sees that the light is out, it means the wedding is off. The wedding is off. Can you now see the significance of Matthew 25, the five wise and the five foolish virgins? The ones that had fire in their lamps were ready. Why? They were, they, the, the wedding's on. It's happening. Right? Pastor Chris, when he does his marriage counseling, right, he tries to break up every tip, okay, pastor's secret tip. He tries to break up every couple in the church before they get married. He asks, have you had a fight? Have you had a decent fight? Jamie, you're nodding your head. The one person responding is like, you're not married yet. Why are you shaking your head? Have you had a good fight with Daryl? Praise the Lord. Sort it out because you got to be sure, amen? Because Chris's heart is, we got to be sure. Jamie, is your light still on? <laughs> Daryl, if you go to a house, the lights are off. It's a bad sign, all right? Bad sign. So the bride can still pull out at this point. Church, do you have your lamps ready? Are you longing for the King of Kings? Are you longing for your groom? Church, this is serious. The book of Revelation is not just about working out who the Antichrist is, when the rapture will be, pre-trib, post-trib, I don't know what trib. Is your heart's ready for Him? Is there that passion, that longing? Fall in love with Jesus, amen? And then the groom and bride, when he comes, the lights are on. He takes her back to the father's house, to the chamber, the hopah at the father's house. And you know what? The groom takes out the ketubah and breaks all seven seals by declaring the names of the witnesses. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4 or chapter 5. Can you see this? In chapter 5, John is taken up into the Spirit and he sees the one sitting at the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with what? Seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break? the seals on this scroll and open it. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep. John wept bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll. 
and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one having a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with the words, Who took up the scroll? Jesus Christ, the slaughtered lamb of God, took up what scroll? This is the ketubah scroll. This is the marriage scroll. There are seven seals symbolizing the seven witnesses. And when each of the seals are opened, judgment, an announcement, a proclamation comes forth. Can you see that this is a beautiful wedding? I didn't know what the seven seals were initially. But praise God, there it is. And then... When the groom opens all the seven seals, as he declares the name of his father, as he declares the names of the people, of the witnesses, he drinks the fourth cup of praise at the last trumpet. And when the seventh seal is broken, they drink the final cup. Isn't that interesting? So can you see this? I never knew this. I've read this thousands of times. I didn't know it was a marriage scroll. You see, in Hebrew understanding, there are four levels of Hebraic understanding. The first one is literal and direct. The second is remez, hinting interpretation. The third, derosh. And fourth has a deep meaning. Let me give you an example very quickly. Number one, you see at the uh, Peshat level, literal level, this is a menorah, correct? It is a golden lampstand used in the temple. Simple, candlestick, that's it, seven flames. Very simple. But at the remez level, the hinting level, it symbolizes the sevenfold spirit of God. In Isaiah 11, the spirit of wisdom, revelation, counsel, knowledge, fear of the Lord, power, holiness. And these, as I shared before, if you look at the seven flames, now imagine my hand is the candelabra, the flames coming out from my fingertips. If you begin to look at it from a bird's eye point of view, right, and I begin to spin my hand, what happens? What happens? I move my hand very quickly. The Spirit of God is around the throne, the seven lamps. When it's spinning, it looks like a wheel within a wheel within a wheel. This is Ezekiel's wheel in Ezekiel chapter 1. He saw the very throne of God coming, and he said, I see a wheel within a wheel, and I see fire, a fire wheel. He sees the very throne of God. It's a fresh perspective, a prophetic perspective that's never been seen before. God's throne is dynamic. And this is the sevenfold spirit of God. The same spirit of Christ that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You are designed to burn with this fire. Pray this. If you came yesterday, I would have taught you how to pray the spirit of wisdom. Pray the spirit of revelation. That's how prophecy can flow. Pray the spirit of counselor that he's with you. Pray the spirit of power so you see signs, wonders, miracles, healings. Amen? We need the fire of God. So that's at the remez level. But I'll skip the third, but go to the fourth, the sod, the hidden meaning. The menorah, the entire book of Revelation is based on the menorah. Isn't that incredible? 
there are seven mini menorahs forming one giant menorah. Is this blowing your mind? It did. It blew. Okay, everyone's not that excited. Okay. There are seven letters to the seven churches, seven evil kingdoms, seven seals, seven trumpets, shofars, seven thunders, seven proclamations, and seven bowls of judgment that come forth. This is a, you can, you, you have this, you can look at this. There's the menorah. So when you look at it, the mini menorahs as we zoom in. And one thing you need to understand about the book of Revelation is that when you go from different chapters, there are big overview chapters. And then some chapters, it zooms in, right? It's like you're looking at my, my scalp or the receding hairline, all right? You go zoom in to a particular aspect in time, in eternity, in a sequence of events. So here you see the beautiful seven letters that Chris is going to be teaching you about to the different churches. That's a mini menorah. Then you see the seven evil kingdoms from Babylon to the Roman Babylonian Empire. And I don't have time to get, this is just a massive overview, but let me give you a quick rundown because the timeline, okay, I don't have time to go through this, but the chapters that are there, you go to the throne room, the birth pains of opening the seven seals. And then chapter seven is that zooming in chapter. It is an interlude, and it talks about the 144,000. What are the 144,000? They are groomsmen. Remember, the grooms come with the, the big bridal party, not the bridal party, the groom's party, right, like the best man and so on. That is the 144,000. That's who they are. Can you see this whole marriage unfolding now? Yep. Okay. Uh, opening of the seventh seal. Half an hour silence. And the first of four shofar trumpets to be blown. Chapter 9, fifth and sixth shofar, the harvest of the bride. And then you got another interlude of the ministry of the two witnesses. Then the background about the beasts from the sea. And then an interlude again about the 144,000. Then the final judgments in chapter 15 and 16, the battle of Armageddon. Then the two Babylons, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it ends with a thousand-year millennial rule and reign of Jesus from Jerusalem. His feet will return on that mount. He is coming back to Jerusalem. So chapter 21, the new heaven and the new earth. The bride is adorned for her husband. And finally at the end, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Now, where are we? <laughs> I finished the book. Isn't that good? But I said I need to get to the horses because this is Melbourne. Let me start on these horses very quickly, very quickly. We will know the season. Learn from the fig tree, Jesus said. When its buds become tender and its leaves begin to sprout, you know without being told that summer is near. Can I tell you the time is near? There are things happening. I want to give you two signs that are very important. Now, when we look at the seals, this is the marriage ketubah being opened. This is a fantastic painting of the first horse. Okay, the first seal. When the first seal is open, 
Let me read it to you. I watched as the lamb broke the first of the seven seals of the scroll. Then I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, Come, I looked up and saw a white horse standing there. Its rider carried a bow and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many battles and gain the victory. Now, many don't confuse this white horse rider with Jesus. Jesus will come riding on the white horse, but this is not Jesus. Because Jesus comes with a sword, not with a bow and arrow. This crown that he has, right, placed on his head, is a false crown. This is someone who wants to be king, but is not king. And the picture here in the Hebrew is of a rider riding a white horse with his bow drawn. And he's like, I'm going to shoot this way. I'm, gonna, I'm aiming here. I'm aiming here. But at the last minute, whew, he changes and releases the arrow here. He deceives. He says, I'm going to shoot here. But whew, last minute changes. This is a spirit of deception being released upon the world. Today, we are seeing this deception unfolding. How many genders are there? Right? So much confusion coming upon the earth. Can I dare say, I think the ground is now ready for great deception where the truth is now being distorted for lies. Church, wake up. The persecution of Christians. I got to the front before the religious freedom review with Philip Ruddock, with my mom and a few other pastors. ICC was called to represent and we said people in our church were sacked because they believe in husband and wife, male and female, marriage. People lost their positions in our church. They were sacked from two banks. Can you believe that? The discrimination is there. Our children are being confused. This deception is spreading out. It is coming upon the church. It is coming upon us. Where now churches don't even know. They're not standing for the truth anymore. That is the great white horse. I don't have enough time to get into that. But the deception is so great. They will kill a baby in Queensland. Now it takes two doctors to kill a baby right up to birth. I told you last night, last year a baby was killed 37 weeks, perfectly healthy. Why? Two doctors agreed. I heard from one of our doctors. Perfectly fine child. 37 weeks was killed in our hospital in Queensland. The blood of the innocent is happening. And we got Democrats. We got the liberals. We're in a culture war. And lives are at stake. And I thank God for Trump. He's stacking the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. And the battle is raging. The battle is raging for the lives of the innocent. We need to step up. But I want you to see this is happening. Where we can kill a child in the womb. If this is not deception, what is, church? Jesus is coming and they're cheering. And legislators are cheering. People here in Melbourne are cheering. They're wanting that. Queensland, it's there as well. They're cheering women's rights. My mom spoke to our minister, Jackie Trad, okay, deputy premier and said what are you doing about these laws you know what her response was do you have a grandchild she said okay 
because my, my, my daughter, right, said, we, when, my, when, when Zara found out they, they can kill babies, she said, why? He's, and you know what she said? This is brilliant. Peter Singer, the ethicist, actually puts forth this argument. You know what her response is when she heard that they kill babies? And my daughter said, what if that baby was me? What if that baby was me? Profound argument put forth by Peter Singer. What if that baby was you? And my mom went to Jackie Trad, Deputy Premier, and said, how is it in Queensland we can kill a baby in the womb right up to how many months? We can't even kill a possum. We can't even kill a python. We can't even kill a snake. If we catch a possum in our church, we can't even move it more than 15 meters from where we caught it. It's ridiculous. And you know what her response was? One day when your grandchild grows up and she needs an abortion, she'll thank me. This is the government we're dealing with. It's a labor government up there. And she walked off. Shocking. That's their attitude. We're in great deception, church. Great deception. And I'll finish with this. I want you to see this. Matthew 24. Everything Jesus talks about mirrors Every one of the things, the great deception, there will be wars, famines, earthquakes, persecution, falling away, and lawlessness. It all mirrors the seven seals, what Jesus talked about. Moving on very quickly, the red horse I want to get to. I love this red horse because this is significant. It is happening right now. If you read about this red horse, it is about the red. Who are the these red ones? The Edom war. The Edomites are the red ones. And it's not China. They're the Arabs. This speaks about an Arab war that will be waged against Israel. And the amazing thing about this, these are the descendants of Esau who live in the Arabah Valley, known as the Arabs. In Psalm 83, it talks about the second seal war. Isaiah 34, Ezekiel 34, 35. It lists the ancient names in the Torah of the nations that will rise up against Israel. Church, when you see this, this is the next sign. This is the next seal. If you see this, it is on. It is happening. And this is the sign. When you read this list of all the nations, the Edomites, Ishmaelites, Moabites, Hagarites, Gebedites, Ammonites, Amalekites, Philistia, Tyre, there is one nation that is missing. Can anyone see it? What's the nation that's missing? Egypt is missing. Egypt has been part of the 1967 war, right? They've been in every war against Israel. But in this Arab war against Israel, the sign to all of us will be Egypt will not be party to this war. Do you know why? I met Pastor Fakri few, uh, just a few weeks ago. Pastor Roland met him. He is an apostle, a mighty man leading the prayer movement in Egypt. They have prophecies by the year 2022, Egypt will become Christian. There is a powerful move of God and I is this recorded? Uh, uh, yeah, this cannot get out um, because can we just stop it for a second? Can we just stop it? Because if the name is linked to this, he is in big trouble. I don't want any chance of it. Thank you. Have you stopped the recording? Have you stopped the recording? Just stop it. Just for a few seconds. Happen. The famines happen. You look at the ring of fire. 
oh my goodness, the whole eastern seaboard of Australia, the entire west coast from Japan, gone. We're gone. One third of the world's population will be destroyed in the great earthquake that is coming. Are you ready, church? Are you ready? Because when it happens, it will happen. And are you ready? Finish with this. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. FGA, I beg you, I urge you, change this year. If you're not spiritual, I'm not too. I like watching Netflix TV. I told Chris, you know, I want movies for a whole year. I want a gold card. And last year, I saw 52 movies. I could live in the cinema. I had access to every movie except Saturday nights after 5 p.m. <laughs> Beautiful air conditioning, recliner seats. And I saw 52 movies, right? I, I, very Asian, right? Fear of miss, missing out. So I saw all the movies I could see. But church, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. And I'm just like you. I've got two kids. I do the school runs. I do the school pickups. I'm concerned about their studies. I, you know, I love fellowship. I love food. But it's time to fast and pray because our groom is coming back. He's coming back for a radiant church. The spirit and the bride say, come. Can we stand up Let the musicians come? And we want, I want to challenge us this morning. If you're tired of your ordinary Christian life, maybe a carnal Christian life, and you can be honest. You can be honest up front, <laughs> or you can be honest right there. God sees your heart anyway. But if you know, let's be honest with God. Let's humble ourselves and say, God, I know I'm not on fire. Lord, I need your fire. I need a touch. Even if you're not there, will you come forth and say, Lord, even give me a desire. Put inside of me. Holy Spirit, work in my life. Give me the desire to even seek God. I don't even want to pray. But Lord, I need you, Holy Spirit. Do something, please. You know, um, John likes his details. The, I really hope you received today's message. The big picture is we're the bride. We're the bride. How are we doing as the bride? Uh, today, even as we, even as they sing, like I'm going to invite you to come up to the front. I'm going to close the service. If you, if you want to head out, we're done. The service is ended. But if you want to begin this new year and say something is wrong with the bride, Something's wrong with me on the inside and I, I need to change because we're about to go through and do a, a range of things to change at FGA. Then, I don't think it needs to take a stack load of time. I want to invite you to come up to the front. I think we're going to try and draw this line and we go, hey, let's as a church, let's make a commitment that this year, our spiritual temperature is not going to be the same as it is last year. 
Father, I, I thank you for, for this man of God and, and for what you're doing at FJ. I pray, Lord God, that even that your word, that we would be so humble that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to us today. And that you would call us to obedience as a church. Change what you need to change at FGA and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing this song and can we just begin a... Lift up your voices, amen. Begin to sing in the spirit, sing in tongues, sing in that beautiful language that calls forth a bridegroom. Let's sing this song. It's so even as we sing, song. as we sing, come forward. Yeah, yes. Sing and come forward. Praise the Lord. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinners, wake up the saints, let every nation shout up your faith. Jesus is coming soon. Sing like a bride. Put a longing right now, Holy Spirit, release your glory. God, we wait. wait. 
fresh desire, Lord God. Birth of the Spirit. Anoint this word. After this, don't worry. Let's spend a bit of time pressing in. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to invite the pastors, the, the ministry team here, our team, to come and lay hands. We're going to pray. Desire for fire. Let's call down. Let's pray in the spirit for a while. Is that okay? If you want to stay back in here, we're going to spend some more time. We're going to keep going. If you want to stay, you're really welcome to stay. Because maybe this is... Maybe this is the moment that God needs to change things in your life. Some of you need to make resolutions right now. Some of you need to repent right now. Some of you need to change the culture in your home right now. And so this space here, we're going to allow time for God to move. Come on, let's pray in tongues. If you're in the ministry altar team, you're welcome to come up and pray. Let's just pray for people who are up here. 